Welcome to The Red Podcast, a place for bold, inspired, outrageously courageous, and just a tad bit naughty women leaders come together. I'm Elaine Kalila, and I'm the founder of the Priestess Presence Temple, a sisterhood of over 80,000 women. For the past 25 years, I've had the great pleasure and privilege of supporting, inspiring, catalyzing, and initiating women to remember who they are. The Red Podcast is a place where you can come to lean into your edges, listen for that which yearns to be expressed more fully through you, and to say yes to the places that probably scare you. More importantly, I'm going to be talking with some amazing women who are spiritual and grounded, and we're going to be chatting about what it takes for each one of us to step into the legacy of our purpose and fully bring it to the world that we're here to co-create. Your presence is a gift, so I say bring it. We're here to listen to your red, your leading edge, that place of evolution within you. Hope you enjoy the conversations. Well, hello there, all of my beautiful red women across the world. I'm so, so honored to get to be here with you today. And a little sneak peek here. I'm actually recording this podcast on July 22nd, which is Magdalene's Feast Day. And it feels really synchronistic and deeply connective that I happen to have with me today, a woman that I've been aware of for some time um, in the ethers, you know, in that ether world that we move in. <laughs> and our plaza continued to cross. And I had the intuition just a, just a little while ago to reach out to her and say, hey, do you want to come on to the Red Podcast? And she said, yes, straight away. And here we are, as if by magic. So I'm here to introduce you to a beloved sister. Her name is Christine Geritz. And I said that completely wrong. <laughs> So, Geritz, and I want to say it in French. <laughs> say it one more time for me, sister. Christine Gutierrez. Gutierrez, there it goes. Yes, so you did it. Gutierrez. I have to do That's it with right. some gestures. I love it. You did <laughs> it. Right. You should keep all of it there. Oh, I will. I will keep all of it in because that's what's real is we yes. are real human beings who make bloopers. Right. And one of the things that, I, well, there's so many things that I want to talk to you about today, Christine, because I, I was aware of a book that Christine wrote. I don't know. How long ago did you write your book, sweetheart? Oh, wow. Um, it was a moment like ago. centuries ago, but mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe like three Three years. I, I want to say three years. Three yeah. years ago, during the pandemic. So there's this beautiful book that Christine wrote called "I Am Diosa," which you also have to do with a with a little flourish. "I Am Diosa." I am goddess. Yes. And one of the things that has really um, intrigued me about Christine and has been a wonderful mirror for me is that, Christine, you started off life as a, as a psychotherapist, as a mental health professional in the worlds of addiction and trauma and working, you know, with, with I'm imagining, all kinds of people in terms of finding their sense of self, finding their health, finding their well-being. And at some point in your journey, and that's kind of where I want to ask you, is you, you, you also did a crossover into the more spiritual or archetypal world of transformational work. And I did that crossover too. And so I'm always fascinated when I get to see other other women who are integrating and bringing those worlds together. And so I'd love to just ask you a little bit about your own journey of coming in from this more mental health route into this more archetypal spiritual work and how you blend those two together. So wherever you want to begin in there, my love. So... Today, where I will begin is by sharing that 
prior to becoming a therapist, mm-hmm. my soul has always called me mm-hmm. to help people. Yeah. And I was always curious about the other world, the spirit world. And so since I was little, I remember playing between realms. I remember um, having a tiny altar that I made with um, going to the 99 cent store with my grandma. And I would have little angels and little things. And I used my Bible as a tarot deck and I would open it up and and I only specifically liked Psalms in it. I was like, I, I really just like Psalms. And I would just open it up. And, and I like the poetic nature of it. Mm-hmm. I felt called to understanding that there was something more than the physical 3D world. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling my mom, you know, ah, why is it that people just do normal things? They just brush their teeth. And I did like little robot hands and, and they go about their day because I was fascinated with the dream world, with, with, um, with understanding that there was spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I kept listening to that call and it led me to, Ooh, in this, this world, world, it led me to, in this world, becoming a therapist. Mm-hmm. And when I became an actual therapist, I realized that there was something missing for me in that journey. There was something missing in the way I was taught it in school. There was something missing in the warmth and the depth and the love that I had in my heart that I knew healed and I couldn't give it because of the boundaries that were set in that way. And so boundaries in that way were taught to protect the client, but I actually felt that I had so much love in me, in my own medicine that was going to help that person specifically in the, in the community that I was working in, which was mostly um, Latino Mm -hmm. disadvantaged communities who had in their bloodline known this kind of more ancestral way of healing because we all have ancestors that healed in these more primal kind of ways. And so disconnected from the spirit and the soul in touch, I felt that there was more harm in many ways. And so when I started to get that information, I knew I have to change something. I have to. And so I was a a licensed family um, licensed uh, mental health counselor, but working as a family therapist. Mm. And I said, okay, this is, this is not working. Mm. I need to bring back what I have in my heart. I need to bring back this soul into this. I need to bring back this warmth. And, and that that's what led me on my journey to studying what I already I had in my heart, studying what I already had in my bones, studying what I already had in, you know, in my little child spirit that knew that there was something more and finding the teachers and finding the paths of the priestess path of the, of La Diosa, of the, the shaman, of mm. the, the medicine woman and all those things um, to merge these two worlds together and say, okay, this is what feels right. This is what I know to be true. Mm. And this is what is um, going to help the people that I'm meant to help because everyone's meant to help in a certain way. Mm. I'm just waving my hands at you if you could all see me. (laughs) I just uh, thank you for that beautiful, beautiful invitation for us to feel into the, the, the roots of these, of our indigeneity, no matter where we're from, 
we have roots, we have connections. And I just told you that I'm, I'm calling you today in from England and I've been here for a month and it's the longest that I've been here in 25 years. And, I, and I'm here for two months precisely because of this reason, because mm. I knew I needed to come back to the land where I was raised, where I was seeded, my Celtic roots, and really just allow myself, not just because I teach and I offer these spaces, but because I needed this re-coherence with something that's in the blood, breath and bones of who I am. And so I just really want you to want to witness you, Christine, because the piece that you just said that also mirrors my own journey, and I think probably mirrors the journey of so many of the women who are drawn to the world of La Diosa, the world of the priestess, the medicine women, is this, is that we're, we're, we're called to become doctors and nurses. We're called to become, you know, ministers and we're called to become therapists and occupational therapists and psychiatric nurses. All of these titles, I think we're called to from a deep place within our own knowing that we're here to help people find themselves again, to help people re-cohere themselves, to remember who they are. Yeah. And um, and I think that that's really, really true is that there's the, the way that we're taught to do it, that tries to take the soul out of it or tries to make it clinical, just clinical. And it's like when you're sitting with people, it's not clinical. When you're sitting with people, if your heart is not open and people always used to say to me, you know, uh, what really is therapy? And I would say therapy is a unique space where I get to love you fully. That's right. It's loving and loving is warmth and loving is intuitive and loving dances between worlds and mm -hmm. loving, um, needs to expand mm -hmm. beyond what we have been taught and in mm -hmm. many ways um, been robbed of yeah. its true nature. And, uh, you know, to, to be able to give yourself permission to be fully who you are meant to be in any space mm -hmm. is what liberates us and others. Mm -hmm. And so if we're holding back our love, then we won't have the, the healing and the remembering that we need. Mm -hmm. And so obviously there's certain containers that are, that are more relevant for people to do traditional therapy, yes, but there, there also needs to exist the conversation about, you mm -hmm. know, and, and what happens if we, if we feel ourselves being called, because so many of us are. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for that because um, we need more people standing in their unique medicine so mm -hmm. that we can elevate the, the world and create this new earth, this mm -hmm. new, this new um, way of being, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of spiritual lingo going on around this. But what I think that it is for me is just all of us being fully out there as ourselves without fear of being, you know, uh, ostracized or put in the corners and, um, and merging all the parts of us, like mm -hmm. all of it just being like, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to be all of it. Whew. Yeah. Get me chills when you say that, because it sounds so simple. Right. And yet for so many of us, there's layers and layers and layers to be shed and so much more to be reclaimed within us in order for us to stand in that truth of being all of who we are and even knowing what that means. So I hear you made that departure. You, you kind of did your training in psychotherapeutics and were serving the Latino community. Right. And then you, you sort of started this journey back into reclaiming your roots. And now you're, I, I mean, 
one of the things that I love to do, I don't know, we all love to do this, but you know, when, we're, when we're learning about other people is I was just looking at some of the images that you were sharing recently from, I think, a retreat that you must have been yes. doing. And it was one of the places where I decided to connect with you, actually. I, I was like, you know what, I'm going to call Christine and see if she wants to do an interview because there was a picture I saw that that spoke so strongly to me of the power of, of your presence as a, as a midwife, mm-hmm. as a medicine woman. Um, and it was a picture where you had your hands on a woman's heart and she was bent mm-hmm. back into you. And she was in full, like, I don't know whether she was laughing, crying, tears, but there was a full Im- release happening through her. And it, what it spoke to me was the deep need that we have to be held in order for us to allow the healing and transformation to happen. And I wonder if you could share a little bit about that from your lineages, from just, just from where you sit with that, because I think there's something so profound about the art of holding another in, in a way that facilitates that deep level of release. So wherever you want to go with that, my love. Yeah, you speaking about it brings tears to my eyes. Mm-hmm. And I just peeked at the photo. Um, you know the one, yeah. huh? Yep. Yeah. Because it is about being held. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I constantly, if I were to boil down my work, mm-hmm. is to reminding people that they are held and that they are worthy. Yeah. In all of themselves, in the moments where they feel broken, in the moments where they feel um unholy in the moments where they feel lost in the moments where they feel confused mm-hmm. in their pain and their shadows in their glory in their reclamation of pleasure that they're worthy in all of it and that they're held through all of it and they have permission to be fully human mm-hmm. um, and knowing that they're fully human and divine at the same time holding that contrast is really what I believe that my medicine is most strong in and when I hold someone it is not just me <laughs> You know, it is La Diosa moving through me and holding me as I hold them and holding the space. And um, it is so powerful Mm -hmm. um, seeing women break open Mm -hmm. and tremble and scream and cry and laugh and all of the things in between. And um, this Diosa retreat, this was the 10th annual one in Puerto Rico, which is the lands of my family's ancestors. And it's been such a gift to see people give themselves the opportunity to say, I'm going to let the great mother, I'm going to let La Diosa, I'm going to let the energy of this group hold me. And uh, seeing the tears and seeing the laughter right away and seeing all this mixture of emotions is is to me what we need more of. We need these spaces to be able to break. And um, it's incredible because we have the medicine within us. So I, uh, I feel like this kind of work, mixing and fusing the, 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 the energies of something that I downloaded that I don't even know where it comes from. I tell people I never did a specific training at first. This was something that came within me. And this can be, you know, controversial for some people, but, you know, I didn't learn um, shamanic tools from anyone at first. This was just, uh, you know, the, the medicine of my grandmother's coming through the healing hands. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I went on to, to you know, um, different paths and initiations. But mm-hmm. 
I knew these things inside of me. And I think a lot of us just know. And the women that come to these circles, they intuitively know how to hold space for one another. And we just hold them as they do. So uh, yeah, this Gyosa retreat is probably um, where, you know, the rebirth of, I get to be a soul midwife and help people's alma, their soul, come back. Yeah. You know, I I just want to underscore that piece. I think that when we talk about holding space and this is a term, right, that, yeah. you know, a few years ago didn't mean anything to anybody, just as the word priestess didn't mean anything to anybody really, because we didn't have a context to understand it within. But, you know, when we talk about holding space from a clinical perspective, we're talking about the containing environment. We're talking about, right, the attachment work of reparenting somebody or offering the stability of a space where somebody can trust and, you know, be relational with us. But when we move into this archetypal spiritual work, the piece that I think is so, so important is this recognition that we, it's not us alone. And what you just said, it's like you are actually a vessel then for la diosa for the goddess for the mother and that's how i would also put it is we're calling in all of the unseen help and we're becoming a vessel to that in the space and that is what creates such powerful release and transformation because we're speaking beyond the mind beyond the psychological mind which is where therapeutics tend to sit into the soul language, which is by nature archetypal and symbolic. And I want to just, I, I, I just um, did a little bit of, I like, I love what you said about the Bible earlier on where you would, as a kid, do the oracle with the Bible. <laughs> Best way to read the Bible. <laughs> My personal opinion. So I did this with your book earlier on and I jumped onto a page because I was like, okay, mama, show me what you want me to bring up in it. So I'm just going to read a little section of your book, if you don't mind, because it actually speaks to the power of La Diosa and the goddess. And so it says, this is how the energy of La Diosa Shakti, the feminine primal energy works with us. She is the skeleton, the archetypal story that can be found throughout the ages. The way she chooses to work with us may differ, but there are certain core principles that we can look to and understand that remain the same. La Diosa is ancient, the wild feminine call back home to soul has always been and always be will be she is the creatrix the magic weaver i just loved that imagery of all these different faces of the goddess as she moves through you when you are holding space Mm. and when you're being invited to allow her inside of you because this is what I know to be true and from your work I can tell is that your job is to allow the space for any woman walking in to know herself as la diosa correct I mean that's it and in this specific retreat I got to hold a grandmother oh yes yes I got to hold a grandmother it's so beautiful what a blessing that you're here yeah like what a gift that we get to be Mm -hmm. in and to see you come alive again mm. and let us hold you beyond the, you know, the illusion of age, but also with the wisdom that age brings for her. And so yeah. that we get to hold each other through all ages, through all seasons and, um, and help one another, a true Absolutely. sisterhood where we get to really, really mm. 
you know, give each other a couch if you need it when you travel, you know, call each other up when you when you need a pep talk, um, mm -hmm. talk about the, the the pieces of you that you feel too ashamed to share and then celebrate one another when mm -hmm. you have something really big happening that you feel also ashamed to share. Mm -hmm. And so that is um, what I'm so proud of with these mm -hmm. spaces and now hitting over a decade of of doing this. It feels like, wow, like, mm -hmm. you know, what a birthing what a birthing. And well, it occurs to me when you said, you know, this piece around the controversial, maybe controversial piece of people going, well, where were you trained? And, you know, yeah. there's this question, and I think it's an important question in our community. I really actually yeah. do. So I'd love to just land there for a moment as to why I, why I feel it's important maybe for us to unpack it a little bit, because for me, there is a tremendous value in being trained and there's a tremendous value in the wild feminine intuitive spirit that inhabits all of us male or female anywhere in between right that that it's a both and and that we've been living yes. in a world of separation and where we have been you know in the patriarchal values had to value the world of the analytic the clinical the scientific the rational logical trained degreed world and we have been completely villainized for the ones who knew the magic, yeah. knew how to touch, knew how to attend a birth and never have been trained in how to do it, but just knew what was needed. And that, that ability to be able to balance those two worlds, Christine, I think is part of what I feel like I hold and probably you hold a lot of because you are trained in a yes right, in a more traditional route that's understood and valued by the culture that's licensed and credentialed and has rules and regulations. And then there's this wild, la diosa, feminine shakti energy that's also here. And if we don't honor both worlds, where I think we get ourselves into trouble. And I think that that's where I see our world of priestessing and the divine feminine not wanting to be regulated. And I understand that. <laughs> I don't want that either. And at the same time, I do feel like there's a balance point. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. Yeah. You know, sometimes you take for granted right, right. what you have done. Right. right. And part of the, part of the truth yeah. is, and the reality is, is that I am, am able to hold the spaces that I am in both worlds because I do have a, container that's right. and understanding of you know when is this um not appropriate you know yeah. when do you need to uh call mm -hmm. on external um mm -hmm. psychiatric help or give someone resources for something that goes beyond the capacity of your understanding and mm -hmm. knowing how to properly assess that and look at that and know that is really important in this world because we are human yeah. and there's certain yeah. things that go beyond um, your capacity to hold. So mm. I do think that it, both worlds are really important. And um, I feel like it's part of why we connect, right? Is because we have both of these worlds and uh, it's part of why people come to me yeah. uh, because I have both of these worlds. And I think even if you're not a trained licensed therapist as, as our background, then there's ways to uh, mm -hmm. understand and have proper training to mm -hmm. properly space hold mm -hmm. to make sure that you're not, you know, going on beyond what you actually are able to do. Right. And it's, it's a good thing when you're able to say, Hey, this is not um, something that we can go 
uh, hold in this circle, this right. is something that you can go here for and knowing what to do in those situations. So uh, that is absolutely what I think is um, needed so that we can have integrity mm-hmm. in our work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that even the, the traditional, if you want to go way back, there was always someone holding and leading someone through different rites of passages. This has always been. So if you even want to go that route, there has always been someone to take you through a process that knows more than you and that's guiding you through an initiation. So I believe that both the the clinical world and the spiritual world, the true indigenous spiritual world, you have that. And so even in my priestess training, there's a beautiful woman um, who no longer, she doesn't even have a website or anything. Her name was Celeste. And she was actually a Latina Mm. licensed therapist Mm -hmm. who did this priestess initiation Mm -hmm. for me years ago. Mm -hmm. And she uh, took us through a process. Same thing with my Tantra roots, right? I studied with Psalm and she studied with, we call her Ama, um, mm-hmm. who studied from the Sri Vidya path, but there's mm-hmm. always been a teacher that shares yes. their teachings. Yes. And so I think that uh, bringing back that um, honor yeah. to the path is also important. So to both mm-hmm. worlds, mm-hmm. having someone that knows a little bit more and a lot more is important so that you can really be able to be held mm. as you mm. understand these very sacred initiations because you're holding people's hearts and you're holding people's spirits and, and you need to do so um, with care. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think that that is really true. You know, there's the, there's, there's the, the root of, uh, of learning and scholarly pursuit and understanding and all the things you've just spoken about. And then there's the hands-on work and training and initiation, which is a profound part of any healer's journey. I mean, whether you go back through whatever lineage you want to look at, there is an archetypal journey that as a healer you go through, whether that's as a shamanic healer, as a priestess, medicine woman, midwife, it doesn't matter. Life gives you some kind of initiation that sets you on a path. So that leads me to my next question. (laughs) You know, in your book, you talk about this a lot, and I'm pretty obsessed with rites of passage and rituals and sacred theater and the whole idea of archetypes. So, you know, I I love that conversation. And one of the things that you you mention in your book and you really use as the formation of your book is, is that we, you know, we're all being called into life as an initiation that there is there are things that happen in our lives and they are all different they're all different kinds of things but they are there as initiations for us to go into a period of soul growth and I wanted to talk to you about the about that in your own life because I know that you have just we were just talking before we got on the air that Christine has gotten through the first year transition Mm. of being a new mom to a little girl who is now 13 months old. What is her name? Mar de Luz. Mm, Beautiful name. And I wanted to talk a little bit to you about this rite of passage initiation that you're in, that you're still in as as a new mother and how this is changing your work, how this is changing who you see you, yourself as, your view in the world, your work, all of it. What, is, what, what have been some of the, the deeper challenges oh. and what, has been, yeah, what have been some of the gifts? <laughs> that, oh, it's a good representation of everything beyond words. Right, right totally. <laughs> but, um, um, 
being a mother is so hard mm, mm. and so beautiful. <laughs> I cannot sugarcoat that. Yeah. In my experience, that's been my experience. Mm, and mm. Um, I'm a full on mother and a full on parent with my husband who's going through health challenges. So that is deep, yeah. deep initiations that we're going through. And holding myself, mothering myself, letting others mother me, um, you know, the doula, the midwife, the, the nanny, the, the, the friends, the everything. Mm. It, it, it has reminded me of how we can't do shit alone. <laughs> right. And we shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, I mean, personally, it has reminded me also of why I do this work because mm-hmm. I want to be able to be present. And I know that this won't last forever, right. but I also know that this is a reminder to me that mm-hmm. everything that has happened in my life mm-hmm. has been preparing me to understand what it really means to surrender. Because when you're a mom, you have to surrender the schedule, the this, the that, the flow. There's nothing that has taught me more (laughs) than than being a mom. And that you have to show up no matter what, because no matter what, my baby needs me. Yeah. So you see, that's something that before I could hide in the shadow a little bit more and be like, I'm going to like, you know, stay in the couch a little bit more and like do this a little bit more. And like, as of now, no, like I have to nurture myself and give myself that space and time. And then I have to go back to it with her and be present for her. And I show my full self, my full um, grounded present Mm -hmm. self to her because we practice gentle parenting and conscious parenting and really just like loving her up you know, and doing all the things we didn't have in our childhood. Mm-hmm. And that is my dharma. That is my true work is, mm-hmm. is, is showing her that. And yes, witnessing so she can see her mom doing all the things that she loves. But how I show up for her right now is of my utmost importance. She's my priority. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm still in that cocoon phase of mm-hmm. like really focusing on her. And I can slowly feel myself coming back to, okay, now what does mm-hmm. this look like by weaving in our real life? How can I be a person beyond this? How can we step out a little bit more and give more space for Mm -hmm. her to spend more time, you know, with having other people take care of her that I feel comfortable with. So Mm -hmm. um, we're still in that. And to any parent that is listening to this, Mm -hmm. um, specifically the mothers and the the people that are in this role as, as, as primary caregivers, understanding that we get to be messy, that we don't have to have it figured out. I'm perfectly okay knowing that I don't know everything yet. I'm perfectly okay knowing that mm-hmm. it's fucking a shit show sometimes. I'm perfectly okay knowing that I'm figuring it out. You know why? Because I've been through so many things in different phases of my life that have shown me that the messiest moments is when I'm having the most growth. I just can't yeah. see it fully yet. Yeah. So I have evidence to back up that this is going to be a massive catalyst. And yet I'm still in it. And so I say that to say that while it may seem, because a lot of people, wow, you do so many things and mm-hmm. you're holding so much space. But in order to do those things, it takes so much work behind the scenes, internally, emotionally, yeah. breaking yeah. through fears of like, okay, my baby's going to be with the nanny. And then I got to balance the nap and this and that. So giving myself grace has been massive. Like the way I speak to myself in my mind and the self-love that I give myself through this season is what I'm most proud of. Cause I'm like, okay, girl, you're navigating a lot. 
good job, mama. So that's a big thing that I've taken out of this is that like, mm. um, that grace mm, 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 with mm. myself mm. and the faith, the faith mm-hmm. to carry me through and the patience and to give myself permission to feel all of it. I don't think I've ever held myself, um, so in devotion to everything that I've worked hard for. Like I can really see like, mm. wow, you're an excellent mother. Mm. And so th- that, that way has taken years. Yeah. Um, it's taken years to speak to myself that way. So I'm most grateful for that. And, um, and the discovery is still in motion. I look forward to seeing what lives on the other side of this. You know, I, I, I well, first of all, most, let me just really mirror that back to you, sweetie. I just, I can really, you know, I've been in the privileged position of witnessing a lot of women going through this transition and mothering and the incredible death and rebirth that it has to be. And what I love about what you just said is that for me, this is the mark of a deep initiation is when we can realize that you're being called into deeper love for yourself exactly as you are. And that is for me, the deepest level of self-love is, you know, it's okay. Can I love myself when I'm at my best? Yes. But can I love myself when I'm overwhelmed and taxed out and exhausted and not being the best version of myself that I would want to be? Can I love myself then, you know, and it's, that's the work of what's real as you're speaking, you know, and it's so, it's so fascinating, you know, you're, you're in it being initiated into motherhood and I'm being initiated into my queendom. I am in full on menopause and have been for seven years now. I'm still counting. It's a, been a seven year journey so far. I'm turning 54 on Sunday and I'm still full on in it, you know, and it's like, it's such an incredible journey. And one of the things that I just witness in the work that you're doing, the work that I'm doing, the work that so many of you who are listening here are drawn to be doing is that we, we all need to be held through these rites of passage, you know, and we need others to hold the witnessing for the power of what's happening and the power of what's dying and the power of what's being reborn. And I really just witness you and, you know, from maiden to mother, right? You're really in that shift. And I'm from mother to queen that what I now call the, you know, the third phase before crone. I ain't had a crone yet, darling. <laughs> we got another few years to go before we hit that crone room, baby. <laughs> so for all my sisters in your 50s and your early 60s i bow to you sisters because this this is for real in your body like you are not escaping this one and but there is power here and i think that that's the piece that was so is so at the heart of what you're standing as you know and your your holding of the spaces that you hold for women and i just really want to respect that christine and i'm I, i i I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I really would love to learn more about what you're up to and what you're, you know, how this transition and rite of passage will deepen and bring different things through you because clearly that's what's going to happen. Oh yeah. I feel right now, um, I mm. feel said the word rites of passage, you, yeah. you know, you, that's all I've been writing in my, in my <laughs> notebook over and over again has been rites of passage. I read um, Sarah's book uh, made into mother and, yeah. you know, 
remembering the priestess path that I already had all these things that I've kind mm-hmm. of hit into the side mm-hmm. again, blaming, it feels like a full circle yeah. moment to really yeah. stand in that and walk people through it and have myself be walked through it through women that have yeah. walked through it a thousand times more because I really like having that space being for me as well. Like I love being a student and a teacher at the same time holding that. So I feel that I will be walking people through different rites of passages in more Mm -hmm. ceremonial ways and Mm -hmm. continuing to do my work, but just really deepening and honoring um, Mm -hmm. the work. And so um, I'm excited about it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's birthing through me and I'm birthing myself and, and just um, grateful that that we live in a time where we can do this work now because yeah. in this last Diosa retreat really solidified that for me. And working as a team mm-hmm. has been something that's been coming up for me a lot. I am going to expand beyond my work and nothing that I do will be alone now. Everything will be in sacred community. With yes. Others. yes. Everything. I agree. I, yep. I'm absolutely with you 110%. Yep. <laughs> We are we are synarchy. We're we're joint rule. We have to if you because the model of doing it alone is not one that women have ever done. We have Mm -hmm. never ever been ones to be alone. We've always been in sisterhoods and communities. And it's when that, you know, you can have that support of one another creating the web that we really create the spaces that we're looking for. So I have a couple questions for you in closing. And these are questions not from me, but from her that I call Red, a.k.a. Magdalene herself. Mm. So she likes to ask these kind of bold, sassy questions. So Mm. here you go. Um, Her first question to you, which I ask to everybody who comes on the show is, Christine, what do you avoid but secretly yearn to express more of? Mm. I feel that this fun <laughs> part of me mm-hmm. <laughs> that is like goofy and silly and like twerks with my homegirls and just like, just wild <laughs> and yeah, I am feeling <laughs> like that's not fully the time. It's like, it's like coming out, like doing crazy <laughs> reels and silly, stupid shit that I wouldn't normally do on online, showing that part of myself. Uh-huh. That I want to play with more. Yes, I say yes to that. I think that it's highly needed in the world where we can take ourselves so freaking seriously, and it's all about the depth and the internet yeah. of the work. And it's like, yeah, but it's also about the play and the fun. Right. So I really witness you, and hopefully, your little girl as she grows will be a great initiator for you around that. Okay, second question. What is the most revealing thing about you that you hide? Ooh, the most Ooh. revealing thing about me. I think I hide it in the, I'm going to say my, 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 not in my inner circle, but in the work that I do, that I have this sacred prostitute archetype very strong in me. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Let's hear about that. I am for sure a madame in many lifetimes. <laughs> See, that's where we get real. <laughs> yes. And like this, um, you know, tantrika that like, you know, was in the sacred temple. Uh-huh. And, you know, women, I mean, leading sacred sensual ceremonies. I mean, that is just in me. 
I hear you. And maybe this is part of why we are recording this on Magdalene's Feast Day, because let's face it, she is the most famous or infamously labeled sacred whore prostitute you know she had fallen woman holding that shadow for all of us and um i i find that very very interesting so i celebrate you in the sacred whore and yes. one of the things that i'll say to you all i've said this to you before whore comes from dragon whore whore harin the whore the sacred harlot meant the womb of light. Remember that. Harlots were one who held the womb of light. So we have to really wonder about how this has been brought down the ages through the Roman Catholic Church and through patriarchy to become something that was so demeaned. Just saying. She wanted me to come through because she was like, let me get that woman that also feels connected to the sacred whore. And one funny thing I'll say before we move to the next one is that my best friends and I, we call ourselves the puta parade. The puta parade! <laughs> little slut, but in a loving way. So I love that. The puta parade. I love it. My yeah. final question that she loves to ask is, what, Christine, are you devoted to? I'm devoted to her. Yeah. And yeah. makes and me want to cry. Makes me want to cry. I witness you. I'm also devoted to her. <laughs> and what a blessing that we get to be together today. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day with your baby and having someone else take care of her so that you could be present here to yeah. share your medicine. You can find out all about Christine on the page below the recording here. You can find out how to connect with her and a little bit more about her bio. And of course, I highly recommend that you pick up your own copy of I Am the Osa so that you can read her story and um, the beautiful offering that that is. Thank you, darling, for being here. Thank you, my love. Mm, blessings all to you on the red podcast i will be back with another episode in just a week or so so stay tuned for another amazing dive into the world of red women awakening blessings my loves i want to thank you for listening to this episode of the red podcast it's been an honor to have you here with us. As red women, we are here leading from the edges of our own evolution, birthing new worlds into being through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our beautiful presence. If you would like to be in contact with me, I love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at elaine.kalila or over on my website, elainekalila.com. And lastly, I'd like to invite you, if you loved this episode, to go ahead and share this with someone that you think might enjoy it too. It's through us sharing our hearts with one another and inspiring one another that we reveal our red, that evolutionary edge that is just waiting to be fully expressed in all aspects of our world. Until next time, many, many blessings. Blessings.